Welcome back to another edition of the Bow Rush Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Stowe, and you're listening to episode 28. On this episode, we're going to give you two parts. Our very first results for our very first fitness challenge. It's called the Bow Rush Fitness Challenge. It was amazing, and I'll get to that here soon. And we're going to follow it up with our very first listener's audio submission. He had some questions that he'd like to have answered, and I was able to get a few of us to give our personal opinion. So stay tuned. This is going to be a great episode. I hope you really enjoy it. So we were talking about our very first fitness challenge. We called it the Bow Rush Fitness Challenge. And if you've listened to some of the things we've talked about, we've kind of given you some promotion. We didn't really go hardcore and pushing. We really wanted to do a test run. Again, it's our very first one. So Scott and I put together this 60-day challenge. Originally, it was a 30-day challenge, but after speaking with people and did some surveying, we found out that a 60-day challenge might have been a lot better. And sure enough, it was. We had the results that came in. They were phenomenal. Every person that participated and completed did the challenge did amazing i'm talking about the average weight that people lost was over 30 pounds they built not only muscle they were also to get toned for the hunting season so they were conditioned they lost some amazing weight and basically changed their physical transformation for a better healthier lifestyle so that right there is a testament on what we put together really did work but this challenge would have not have been a success if it wasn't for the participants you put your trust in a chance to win $1,250, getting a better physical physique and condition for the hunting season. Then thinking about what we put together, a full nutritional program using a product that we've backed because we knew it would work and a workout program that not only we've been using for years, but we've also consulted with fitness trainers um, that knew exactly what we were trying to achieve to help our hunters get conditioned. It, it was great. I, I was so impressed how everybody just made this massive change in their life. And with all the results that came in, we had judges go through each and every person and choose based on the measurements and the before and after photos. And they came up with a winner. And the winner is... Uh, I'm not going to give it. I'm actually going to allow Rob Murgatroyd, who was the one that announced the winner, to our participants. And so I'm going to let his audio play. All right, everybody. This has not been an easy transformation contest to judge. But by a smidge, by a hair, the winner of the Bow Rush transformation contest is... Drum roll, please. Ryan. There you have it. His name is Ryan Stickle, and he was one of our early participants that came on board, trusted what we were putting together, and put every effort to do the best he could. Everybody did an amazing job, and though I wish everybody could win, we had to have a winner, and we didn't pick it ourselves. We had judges choose them, as you heard from Rob Murgatroyd, and... Ryan's results were just that much better than the rest. And it wasn't by much. Like he said, it wasn't like he had this enormous difference between every other participant. There were just some small, minute things that his results were that put him over the top to win this challenge. Our very first 
Bow Rush Fitness Challenge. So and now, in a sense, he is our ambassador when we do our next set of challenges coming in the future. So congratulations, Ryan. I really am excited for you. I can't wait for you to get the money, build to use it however you want. If it's for hunting, if it's for bills, if you want to take your, your girl out for a nice dinner or let her buy clothes, however you want to use it, it's yours. You earned it. The one thing I ask is if you could let us know what you used the money for. So Ryan is our first winner, our very first winner. And so here's the deal. We're going to do another one. We're going to have a cash winning prize because we know people want incentives. And you know what better way to do it within the hunting community, the bow hunting community, because we are a bow hunting channel and we have bow hunters that are listening. Now, if this is something that you would like to participate in our next one and you want to know when we do it, we have a page that you can go to. It's mybowrush forward slash challenge. You'll see our initial audio or initial video that we put together. You'll also see the video uh, submission on who the winner was. And then if you scroll down to the very bottom, you can add your name and number, and we will notify you the next time we put together another fitness challenge that you might be able to take part in. Um, and now here's the thing. It's going to be a couple of months before we do it because <laughs> we have to save the money to be able to do it. We're not, uh, we're not loaded. We have, to, uh, we have to find ways to you know, pull the money together to make this work. But if you feel like you want to make a, a dramatic change in your health and fitness now, let us know. We'll be more than happy to share with you the protocols that we put together with the nutrition as well as our workout program. You could start today. And we're going through the the holidays where most people spend most of their weeks eating crap, uh, junk food, and finding every excuse why that extra donut or that extra cookie that's been homemade tastes delicious and feel like that, oh, I could just eat one more. You're adding all this negative food in your body. And then when you're going to make this thought process of, you know, when New Year's resolution comes in, I'm going to lose weight, but you never do. Well, you know, start now. Take this challenge, use what we put together, and get your body right through the holiday. So when New Year's comes around, guess what? You can actually create a better New Year's resolution because you don't have the weight that you just put on during the holidays. Now that doesn't mean you can't enjoy these enjoyful foods that your family and friends make, but you're also gonna have an incredible nutritional supplement and you're gonna have a great workout regimen to keep your body in check through the next two months before the New Year's comes around. Uh, so it's, it's only going to help you. How cool is that? So guys and girls, Hunters and huntresses, if you like to be called huntresses, I know there's a, a controversial topic at that point, but our next part of this episode is that we're going to talk about our very first audio submission that a listener sent in to us. He had some questions. He gave us his uh, questions on an audio format so we could use for the show. So instead of uh, delaying any longer, let's get that going. Hey, Travis, how's it going? Uh, my name is Mark and I'm in Atlanta. I just wanted to call into your show and tell you that I really appreciate all the effort that you're putting into it. It's a fantastic show and I'm really learning a lot. I have several tips from the show that I'm going to try definitely this season, but I want to ask you a quick question. My family has some property I hunt each year and it's about two and a half hours away from me. So it can kind of be difficult to manage um, sometimes and in the past, we've always planted food plots, but this year I'm not going to have the time to get them in. And there are some hardwoods on the property, but a lot of the property is still young pine trees and it's fairly difficult to hunt. 
So would you suggest keeping to the edge of the hardwoods and the pine trees and trying to concentrate efforts there or get deeper into the hardwoods and kind of ignore the pine trees altogether? We've also had a lot of poachers and trespassers on the property and I've busted a couple people hunting and um, just riding vehicles on the property. And I, I feel like there's a lot of pressure from outsiders. Um, our neighbors also run some dogs through the property that don't tend to really understand property lines, as well as there's some coyotes um, that I've spotted on the property that seem to have forced all the deer kind of in just moving, moving at night. Um, so do you have any suggestions for me this year to uh, help improve my chances? And I just wanted to ask that and say thanks. I really enjoy the show. Hey, Mark, I appreciate the comment. That was really nice of you. Um, that's pretty cool that you live in Atlanta just like I do. So we're kind of hunting in the same terrain. Makes this conversation a little bit easier, I would have to say. Now, listening to the questions that you had, I'm more than happy to give you my personal opinion on the things that I've done over the years and the experiences that I've had. But I've also ha got Scott on the line and he was able to give his opinion. I even brought on a good friend of ours. His name is Graham Johnson and he gave his personal thoughts on some of the questions that you had as well. So I hope these will be very useful for you. Think about the first question you had about living two and a half hours away. I can honestly relate to you. I have some family that lives up in the North Georgia mountains. They live right near or right on the skirt of a WMA. And though it's only a small patch, it's about 15 acres, it does have a clear cut originally done a couple years back. And now the pines seem to have grown a good about 30 feet tall, give or take. And you can clearly see that the, the deer are going in there. Uh, there might even be some bedding areas, but if you wanted to try to hunt it, it just can't be done. Can't even be a ground blind. Now, I don't know about your situation, but between where the small pines end and the hardwoods meet, I have a good six to 10 feet of this open clear area. And there's been times where I thought maybe I would hunt that spot, but I don't like open areas like that personally. I like going in a good 15, 20 yards past into the hardwoods and find sections where maybe hardwood trees have fallen over, giving me a clear sight where the, the deer are traveling in and coming from. Now into my personal experience, Every single time I hunt this area, which usually is more towards the end of the season, November, December, I, every time I get into the tree stand or my tree saddle, I always see does walking by. Now going into what you're looking for, if you're looking for the bucks, I mean, bucks usually try to stay where the most thickest areas are. And if it happens to be in the hardwoods, then that's where you need to be setting up. Now, there are many ways to try to figure this out. You definitely need to be scouting as much as possible, but it seems how that season has already started and you don't have necessarily the option to be out there all the time. Most likely you're going to want to have trail cameras. Now it's only been about two years since I've really started using trail cameras. I've been doing other methods and trying to, you know, scout for deer and knowing where their, their locations are and the paths that they take. Um, trail cameras are technically a new thing for me. So I would prefer to let Graham give his opinion on that. Trail cameras are going to be your best friend when dealing with a property that's that far away. Uh, first thing you want to do is go down and scout the property. Take four or five cameras with you. Uh, scout the property and, and find the thickest area on the property. That's where the deer are probably going to be bedded up. That's going to be their home. Um, so they're going to be moving from that area out to other areas to feed. Now, early in the year like this, they might be staying in that thick stuff to feed. Uh, but, you know, come mid to late October, you know, some of the acorns start dropping. They're going to start moving out of those areas. So go out there, look for, look for trails moving in and out of the thick areas. Set up your trail cameras on trails like they're supposed to be used uh, to, to try to find out which ones they're using and then work your way out from there. 
you know, towards where you're wanting to hunt, uh, just to kind of get a pattern for, for which trails these deer are using, where are they wanting to go. When they get out of the bed, uh, you know, even if it's at night, when they get out of their bed, where are they wanting to move to? And here is Scott's take on that subject. Two and a half hours away makes it very hard to effectively scout a property for the deer population, what kind of quality deer you have on there, and really where deer are moving to and from, what their routines are. Also, it makes it really hard to monitor a property for trespassers and poachers and just the overall maintenance of the property. So talking a little bit about the hunting side first, if you have a lot of the young growth pines, the five to 10 year old pines, that stuff is really super dense, really thick, and the deer are probably bedding in there because they feel safe in that thick cover. It's very hard to hunt in any of that, and really it's probably not going to be beneficial to get back in there. So your best bet is going to be walking some of the trails, whether they're foot trails or 4x4 four four trails, and finding a dense area that has traffic coming from the hardwoods into the pines. I would notate maybe two or three different areas where you're really seeing a lot of traffic, set up stands, and rotate through hunting those until you find out deer moving through there in the morning or the night, hopefully get a shot off. Me personally, I love hunting deeper in the woods. I like finding ridge lines with acorns on it or another food source, finding a water source. The biggest thing with hunting deeper in the woods on a property that you don't know really, really well is find trails. Mark out a couple trails that look like they're worn out pretty well and hunt those, at least until you start seeing deer, whether they're on that trail or a trail across the ridge from you. It'll help you narrow down where deer are moving. You know, poaching is something that is inevitable. It's always going to happen. You really can't prevent it 100%. You can only do so much, like putting out different types of signs indicating that this is private property, speaking with the neighboring landowners and letting them know that if they can keep a watch out what's going on. But like you just said that you have even a neighboring property, dogs that are being run around and that doesn't seem to be all that great for you. They probably don't even know that they're maybe going over the property. Uh, the dogs run. I mean, how do you tell them not to? So that might necessarily, necessarily be a, on purpose. It could just be on accident. Um, but you know, maybe for that scenario, going and speaking with the, the landowner who have the dogs that seem to let them run loose uh, and expressing your, your feelings about the situation. I mean, honestly, if you are upfront and let them know that you don't really appreciate it, they might be okay with it and maybe try to control the dog so they don't jump onto your property as often. Again, you can't prevent it. If they get loose and they run, it just happens. But for the poaching... There's not much you really can do unless you want to put a gate around the entire property line. And that even itself doesn't really truly prevent them. It just discourages them because now they try to hop the fence. Now, something you can think about doing, and I've done this. I don't know how effective it is, but I'm just putting it as if I saw this. It's kind of neat. I think it's funny at the same time. But throughout the property, not just around the edges, but just anywhere randomly, putting a sign up that says, smile, you're on camera. I wouldn't necessarily put this around an actual trail camera because you don't want them to look for it. But if you happen to think you're walking through a property and you see a sign that says smile, you're on camera, do you think you'd be a little bit more cautious? And especially if you see it everywhere, it might make them be a little bit more discouraged because they're thinking, well, crap, now they're literally seeing me somewhere. And if they don't find a camera, but they're seeing the smile, you're on camera, that to me is a discourage. And uh, so that's something maybe possibly to think about. And if anything, it'd just be funny. And here's Scott's take on the poaching situation. Talking about monitoring the property for poachers and, and trespassers, it's one of those things where there's only so much you can do. 
most of the people that are trespassing and poaching people's property are local guys. They know when someone is there and when they're not just because they drive by it so much. So make sure you do stuff kind of out of your normal routine. When you go onto a property, never leave the gate open. It's a red flag right away to those poachers that someone's on the property. So of course they're not going to come and haunt the property. The other thing is always lock your gate from the inside. Give it the appearance that someone locked the gate from the inside and is on the property. Make sure you put up no trespassing signs and use uh, surveillance signs as well. You know, this property is under surveillance, something along that lines. It may be just enough for them to think that someone is watching them that they're not going to go hunting. Uh, make sure you know your neighbors. Whether Go introduce yourself to them. You know, make sure that they know who you are and that you know who they are. Exchange numbers and, and kind of give them a guideline of, of what you do on your property and how you manage your property. And just to get kind of maybe their values on what they do on theirs. I asked a Graham to give his two cents on it. And this is what he had to say. When it comes to the trespasser situation, I mean, you know, having a property that's a long distance away, uh, you know, definitely it, it's a difficult situation. So, you know, posting uh, a bunch of no trespassing signs, you know, on the perimeter of the property, uh, try to get the point across, uh, talk to any of the neighboring, like the guys that are running dogs, try to talk to them and, and you know, kind of kind of hash things out of, you know, this, this is my property line. I'd, I'd prefer you not run dogs over here on our property. Uh, you know, that might help out some, but that's always a difficult thing with trespassers that far away. When it comes to coyotes, there's not a whole lot you can do. Um, you know, they're going to be, they're, they're everywhere. They're all over the state. So all you can do is, is, you know, get out there in the off season, try to see if you can't shoot a few. If you do see them during deer season, shoot them on site. You know, but, but as for during deer season, trying to get rid of them, you want to be in there trapping and, and, and making a lot of ruckus and things like that. So, you know, just, just leave them be during deer season. They're not killing all the deer on the property, I promise you. So, you know, get in there, try to shoot as many as you can. And then in postseason, you know, try to get in there and, and, and run some calls and try to take out a few of them. I honestly didn't really have much to say on that subject with the coyotes because even though that I have seen a few throughout my life of hunting, I, I just I haven't had enough to create an, an urge to need to be out there and start thinning out the coyote herd, so to speak. But Graham has seen them a lot. And like he said, I mean, he basically just, when he sees them, he gets rid of them. He tries to go out in the early season um, to help thin them out. And then when, during the hunting season, if he happens to see them passing through his shooting lanes, he'll just go ahead and take it out then as well. But he doesn't do any type of trapping. He just seems to remove them when they're there and keeps moving on because there's really not much you can do about it. So Mark, you know, overall, I think that you have a pretty good head on your shoulders about the property that you're hunting on. The, the questions that you've asked seem to be very specific and it looks like you've done enough research. Uh, maybe some of the suggestions that we've brought up can help you and I hope they do. And, but uh, when it comes to the season, I do hope that you are able to get out there as much as you can. I think that if anything, if you can get meat in the fridge, it really doesn't matter how often you hunt. It's just that you do get something down. As the season's coming along, or even at the end of the season, I'd love to get an update of how your hunting experience went, especially if you did any of these suggestions. But other than that, I mean, good luck. I really do appreciate you taking the time listening to the show and, you know, keep listening because it's just going to get better and better. All right. So we basically covered two awesome things that are happening with the Boers podcast. We had our very first fitness challenge that we completed and we had a winner. Everything went awesome. I can't wait to do another one. We had our very first audio submission from a listener. That is awesome for us because it tells us that people are engaging into what we have to say and we're bringing on great 
phenomenal uh, guests that give out awesome information. I love the word awesome, awesome, awesome. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. <laughs> All right. But anyways, um, so here's the deal. I, if you really like this episode, if you could, you can go to our website, mybowrush.com forward slash iTunes. It'll take you right to the iTunes page. And at that page, if you could give us a comment, what you think you like about our show. And if you think it's worth it, if you could give us a five-star review, that would be awesome. Right now we have 14 comments, five stars for each comment. That's letting us know that we're doing good. And because of these comments, again, thank you for that. You're allowing us to be exposed to more people. The more comments we have, the more people get to see us. So thank you for that. We also have our social channels, especially Facebook, Google+. Uh, we're even now on Camo Photo, which, again, if you want, check that out. It's camophoto.co, and it, they have it for both Android as well as iPhone. It's basically the Instagram for hunters and fishermen, uh, but the cool part is there is no regulation. You pretty much can post whatever you want without the worry of being flagged by non-hunters thinking that this is inappropriate, so stick it to them. Anyway. You can find all our information, how to reach us, how to find us on our website. We have a follow us link page, gives us all the link or gives you all the links on how you can reach us. Share with the people you know our show. It really does help us. Well, guys, this was a, I think, a really good episode. It's exciting for us. We were able to share with you what's going on with what we're doing. And I can't wait for the next episode out. Um, stay tuned for that. I am Travis Doe, your host of the Bowers Podcast. I'm out of here.